It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Vancouver police are appealing for some help to find the men responsible for a violent home invasion. It happened last fall, but police are only releasing a new clue now. Nadia Stewart has more on what police are saying about the attack and the security camera image that captured one of at least five suspects. Vancouver police say the victims, a man, his wife and their toddler, were all at home when five men, two of them with guns, all of them with their faces covered, came storming into the house at West 48th and Ontario Street. It's believed this was the house the five men broke into just before 9 o'clock on the evening of November 30th, 2018. Wearing hoods and masks, police say they assaulted a 56-year-old man and his 35-year-old wife while their toddler slept upstairs. The husband was treated for serious injuries. The child was not hurt. Police say this was not a random attack. Investigators with the VPD's major crime sections believe this was a planned and targeted robbery. Several articles from the home were stolen and no arrests have been made. A neighbor tells Global News the family might have already moved out of the home. Police are not releasing any details on a possible motive, but they are sharing these photos of one of the alleged suspects taken at a restaurant nearby. But this is only one suspect. Are there any leads on the other four? Our investigators have, I, I can tell you they've put a lot of the pieces together. Uh, but we still need your help. A neighbor says investigators canvassed the area in the days following the incident, watching surveillance footage from homes nearby. But this is the first time police are speaking about the home invasion publicly, raising obvious questions as to why investigators waited so long to put something out. We don't necessarily have to release information publicly, especially if it's not necessary, and especially if it's not going to benefit the investigation in, in any way. Now they're hoping someone will recognize the man in this photo and give them a call. Investigators say they've exhausted every lead. They're hoping a tip from the public will lead to a break in the case. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Another small plane has crashed, this one in Langley. The aircraft went down in a field near 272nd Street and 88th Avenue just after 2 o'clock this afternoon. The pilot, a 47-year-old man, managed to call police. He was taken to hospital with injuries, but they are not believed to be life-threatening. Investigators say early indications point to some kind of mechanical problem, but it's not anything criminal in nature. Last month, two small planes with a flight instructor and student ran into trouble in separate cases and were forced to make emergency landings, one near Newlands Golf Course in Langley, the other on Highway 17 in Surrey. Meantime, all passengers and crew aboard that Air Canada flight tossed around by severe turbulence have been released from hospital. They were injured on the last leg of a flight from Toronto to Australia via Vancouver. The plane forced to make an emergency landing in Hawaii. A rescheduled flight for Sydney took off this afternoon. 37 people suffered minor injuries, many because they had unfastened their seatbelts. A year-long investigation has led to charges of child sexual assault and pornography against a Chilliwack man. 
Robert Wayne Calvert was arrested June 19th. He's facing a number of charges involving allegations dating from January 2015 to January 2018. Police say the 48-year-old has lived in communities all across the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island. They're asking anyone who has any information about the investigation to contact police or Crime Stoppers. A 17-year-old girl is left with life-altering injuries after the vehicle she was in crashed into a utility pole in Surrey overnight. Sarah McDonald has more on the factors RCMP believe are behind this crash and what they've ruled out. The debris field from this high-impact single vehicle crash in Surrey early Friday morning is just one of the indicators speed was likely a factor. By the looks of things, I don't think he was doing the speed limit. An issue those who live here near the 6300 block of 128th Street are all too familiar with. People in the neighborhood, they just speed by constantly all the time. If there was a cop, say, parked on that side street or any one of these side streets, at night, he would catch somebody every hour doing 120 easily. It's disgusting. And dangerous. The vehicle's passenger, a 17-year-old girl, sustaining what are being classified as life-altering injuries. Its driver, a 20-year-old male, already discharged from hospital. Girl, they have a big uh, bleeding on the feet. Boys are okay. This now totaled luxury SUV crashing with such velocity when it veered off course, it shared a power pole. I had just went inside and sat on my bed and power went out. And then it almost came back on and then went out again. Electricity restored to customers hours later with investigators remaining on scene collecting evidence. Early indications are that speed was a factor. Alcohol has been ruled out as a factor at this time. But other factors have not. Police now appealing to witnesses to come forward as they work to piece together the moments leading up to this. That's the direct result of what they're doing. With one occupant now facing devastating injuries, the other potentially future charges. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Surrey. Yet another large tree has toppled in Vancouver's West End. It came down this morning just before 10 o'clock. Amazingly, no one was hurt, but there is some damage. And that's where our Aaron MacArthur is tonight. Aaron, residents are concerned because this isn't the first one to go down in that neighborhood. No, it's been a... A slew of trees that have come down in the West End. That's been three in about two months now. In fact, one was just a block down here on Pendrel Street. This was a horse chestnut tree, maybe 70 or 80 years old. It came down at about 9.30 this morning. As you say, no one was hurt, but two cars across the street suffered major damage. Park board crews spent the day bucking the tree up, making sure Pendrel was clear and getting it off the street. Neighbors here say the city hasn't done a great job maintaining street trees in this neighborhood and say this particular tree has been sickly for years. That big truck going down the street hit it and knocked a big branch off. It was still good. It was just broke the branch off then, but now it came down. Ground is dry and the, these roots aren't deep because we get so much rain here. Take a look, there's no root. Yeah. And they don't look after it. Really? No, no. You know, look at that. Needs, everything needs to be trimmed. The city never does it. There's not much you can do to maintain a tree like this size in this little right. pot. It's totally cramped here. It's, you know, it's got no place to put roots. It's got no place to get nutrition, to get water. You know, I, I live in the West End and I love these big old trees. It's great, it's what makes the neighborhood. But you also have to realize that they have a lifespan
We reached out to the City of Vancouver and the Park Board. They responded to us in an email saying all the street trees in the city are inspected once a year. That's more than 150,000. And as many as 2,000 in one year will be removed for things like damage, rot, hazards to the public. We actually spoke to the owner of one of the cars who, uh, which was damaged earlier. He said, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's Vancouver. We love our street trees. ICBC will have to deal with it. Chris? Sounds like the best way to handle it. All right. Thanks very much, Aaron. The Home Inspectors Association of B.C. has filed a complaint against an inspector they believe is using questionable practices to help realtors sell homes faster. David Aslan is accused of double-dipping, offering to work for both buyers and sellers. Jordan Armstrong has more on the allegations and what experts say is the best advice for those in this market. Uh, this home has been on the market for at least a few months. The crazy days of subject-free offers are long gone, sales are slow, and realtors are looking for ways to pick up the pace. Enter David Aslan. We walk in the kitchen, we test all the appliances. Aslan's pre-listing home inspections are for the benefit of the seller. 75% of the time, the buyer will skip the home inspection once you have it pre-inspected with us. But is he protecting the prospective buyer? We're not actually uh, bearing anything. Everything is in the report. So we overload the report with positive items so that when they get to the negative, it's not so discouraging anymore. A marketing claim that's not discouraging, but alarming to the president of the Home Inspectors Association of BC. The buyer thinks he's done this inspection fairly and honestly and accurately, but the reality is his concern is selling the house. In the video on his YouTube page, Aslan says he doesn't get paid until the end. No money issue, we actually take payment at closing and we'll take the loss if it doesn't close. He has put himself in a, a serious conflict of interest. Every buyers have an agent and an agent is their consultant in the process. They're the one who tells them you should really get a home inspection and we encourage that all the way through. Ashley Smith is a realtor and the new president of the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver. She says she advises her buyers to always hire their own inspector. Absolutely, 100%. So, how then does Smith explain this video? Hi, this is David of Inspector. In which, as a seller's agent, she appears with Haslin and seems to support him working for both sides. Realtors, however, are banned from double ending in a sale. Potential buyer uh, with this home hired you to come in and, and review the inspection, so we love that. A good thing for the seller, but would you agree from the buyer's perspective that's not necessarily a good thing? Fair enough, and in that particular circumstance, um, in fact, the buyer didn't proceed with that purchase for personal reasons. Are you comfortable with this? I'm, yes, I'm comfortable with yeah. this. Consumer Protection BC, which licenses home inspectors, says it's investigating the complaint against Aslan. Aslan believes he's the target of a smear campaign because his business is popular and he's aligned with a rival association. You well. think they're bullying you? 100%. They lost most of their members and now they're trying to bully everybody else and staying with them. After Global got involved, the videos disappeared from Aslan's YouTube channel. So we have a tester. And he says in the future, he won't offer to work for both sides. In reality, no, we no longer offer that service. Bottom line for buyers, hire your own home inspector. So going upstairs, we test the In a seller's market, you can more than afford to. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. More evidence tonight. We all need to work a little harder cutting down on waste, especially when it comes to single-use items. 
A new study has found Metro Vancouver's landfills were filled with more than 1.1 billion single-use items in 2018. That includes 256 million bags, both paper and plastic, 260 million cups and 100 million straws. The highest number, though, was for utensils at 331 million. That averages about 440 items per resident. The biggest impact people can have is to look for reusable alternatives. That's not always possible, but where possible, if you can bring your own mug or bring your own utensils or say no, um, that's one of the best things people can do to reduce single-use items. Right now, though, a potential health warning tonight about a popular waterway in Squamish. It comes from two men who were out in the Mamquam Blind Channel recently and shortly after that got a nasty surprise. Jill Bennett explains why they believe the growing number of people living in boats or squatting on the waterway is to blame. Riding an e-foil on the open water, one of Dave Narona's favorite activities. He spends a lot of time around Squamish, but last weekend he was waiting in the channel after his ride. Yeah, buddy! Whether it was water splashed up in my face or I know I didn't dunk under the water or drink it, but that's how easy you can get something like this. He says later that night his eyes were swollen, red and itchy. It kept getting worse, so he went to the hospital. They said, it's really good you came in because, yeah, you have uh, like feces and from from dirty water and drops are not enough. Narona's business partner has also gotten sick after paddling in the Mamquam blind channel. It's to the point he doesn't like being in that water and instead heads to White Rock. A lot of people in Squamish live in their boats and uh, you can imagine what they do with their sewage. When you go to the water edge you can't see through the water. You can see stuff floating in the water. It's unclear exactly what's causing the reactions, but both men believe it is directly linked to the water in the channel. The District of Squamish says in a statement, according to Vancouver Coastal Health, there are no warnings currently in place regarding E. coli counts or any other pollutants in the Mamquam Blind Channel. We also need to warn people and test so then people can make a choice. I mean, we do it on lakes all around BC. We stop people from going on when levels of E. coli or other things get too high. Narona would like to see the area cleaned up, but says until that happens, there should be warning signs posted for the public. Jill Bennett, Global News. Western Canada's first e-scooter rideshare program was unveiled in Kelowna today. And while they are not allowed everywhere in BC, Global's Travis Lowe explains where the scooters will be permitted and what will happen if you try to venture out of bounds. Crews unbox and unveil the Okanagan's latest two-wheel ride-sharing transportation. Our company is called Ogo Scooters. Ogo, the first of three companies that will make electric scooters available for rental at various locations around Kelowna. It'll be a $1 to start and then it'll charge you 30 cents a minute. Just download the mobile phone app. There's a QR code right on the scooter. I just scan the QR code. And away you go. So we've got the Ogo, which is go. This is your throttle. No go. This is your brake. It's easy and fun. Had a chance to ride it. How is yeah, it? Yeah, actually it's really fun. 
it's going to be a nice thing, nice addition. But according to the BC Motor Vehicle Act, motorized scooters are not allowed to operate on roads or sidewalks, and that's why the city of Kelowna has restricted their use to four locations. These vehicles can actually only be ridden on off-street corridors. Uh, we've identified things like the rail trail, Abbott Street, the waterfront walkway, as well as the Angel Way pathway. The city has already petitioned the provincial government hoping for an exemption for the scooters to allow for a wider range of use, something Sidolowski says will be key to e-scooter success. Our traffic laws are set a long time ago and they're not adapting quick enough to the technology that's advancing. Ogo's owners say the e-scooters will be available as long as the weather holds out. Travis Lowe, Global News. It's a good thing residents of this home were in other parts of the house when the car came crashing through the walls last night. A gray Nissan Altima ended up halfway into the living room. The 58-year-old female driver was arrested at the scene for failing to provide a breath sample. She was also issued a 90-day driving prohibition and the vehicle impounded for 24 hours. The trial of Andrew Berry continued today with new evidence of an acrimonious relationship between him and his partner, Sarah Cotton, the mother of the girls. Berry has pleaded not guilty to killing his two young daughters in 2017. Ramina Dea now with never-before-heard and unfounded allegations of abuse. The relationship between the accused, Andrew Berry and Sarah Cotton, in trouble. Years before, their two young children, four-year-old Aubrey and six-year-old Chloe, were found dead on Christmas Day 2017. The couple living together in 2013 when Cotton first calls the Ministry of Children and Family Development. The social worker told the jury Barry was arrested, but the allegations were unfounded. He was never charged. Multiple child protection reports to MCFD followed in 2015, including possible inappropriate touching of Aubrey and a bruise on the little girl's head from an indoor playground. Barry in disbelief over the allegations. He has not allowed unsupervised contact with his daughters. Police and MCFD investigate. All allegations are unfounded. In May 2017, a judge awards Barry 40% custody of his girls. Seven months later, they are found dead in their father's apartment. Crown's theory, Barry's world was unraveling. Essentially, he hated his ex. There was a threat he could lose his kids, so he killed them and then tried to commit suicide. Defense argues Barry didn't do it. It was someone else. After Barry was awarded partial custody, things were actually better than they were in the past, says defense. Barry's ex agreed. Romina Dea, Global News. A dangerous and some would say stupid move caught on camera is adding fuel to the party bus debate. Check out the video of a man standing and dancing on top of a moving party bus. It was shot in Richmond. The bus exiting Steveston Highway onto Highway 99 Tuesday night. Thankfully, the driver must have realized what was happening and pulled over before reaching the highway. The man and the party bus company haven't been identified, and there is no word yet on possible charges. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. 
Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. People across the Gulf Coast are preparing for the worst as Tropical Storm Barry barrels towards central and southeast Louisiana. The effects already being felt with high winds and flooding. Barry is expected to make landfall by tomorrow morning, and fears are rising. The tropical storm will strengthen to a hurricane before then. Thousands are on emergency alert, desperate to get out before it hits. Tonight, tropical storm Barry is bearing down on southern Louisiana. Portions of Grand Isle underwater as time has run out to prepare. Nobody should take this storm lightly just because it's supposed to be a, a Category 1 when it makes landfall. Tens of thousands of tourists and convention goers in New Orleans packing up and getting out. They gave us the word to wait on and leave, so that's what we're going to do, leave in advance of the storm to make sure that we get back to our family safe. 3,000 members of the Louisiana National Guard are on alert, bringing boats and high water vehicles. The biggest worry, not wind, but water, which is already rising. While storm surge can batter a coastline, This is what storm surge looks like. It's a fast-moving, fast-rising flash flood with the power of the Atlantic Ocean behind it. In the Crescent City, named because the Mississippi River makes that hard turn, there's another danger, that up to 70-mile-per-hour winds could cause a five-foot storm surge, pushing so much water up the river it spills over the top of New Orleans levees. Compounding the situation, the Mississippi is eight feet above its usual level. See those submerged trees over there? That's where the riverbank should be. With the slow-moving storm now arriving, residents unsure what's next. I've never seen it this high. It's uh, pretty impressive. The frontman for Canadian rock band Headley is heading to trial in a sexual assault case. Jacob Hogard facing three charges, one count of sexual interference, two counts of sexual assault causing bodily harm. The charges stem from allegations of separate sexual assaults in the Toronto area against two women, one of them a minor at the time. Hogard said little exiting court today. However, he has denied the allegations in the past. The trial is set for later in August. The Calgary Stampede is once again dealing with the fallout after a third horse has died in competition. A chuck wagon driver has now been fined and disqualified after causing a crash in Thursday night's race. But for many, that's not enough. And we want to warn you before we show it that this story may be disturbing for some viewers. It's an event that draws a crowd, a spectacle attracting people from around the world. But some say the arena where horses compete has become more of an international embarrassment. He's holding off a charge as things get tight in the turn. The latest incident involving a horse fatality happened Thursday in Heat 7. It's hard to watch. 
but the video was closely reviewed by the truck wagon safety committee. They say the footage and interviews of other drivers is evidence enough to fine Chad Harden $10,000 and disqualify him from all future Stampede events. Unfortunately, yes, we're talking about an incident that happened that we hoped would never happen. This is new ground for us, but those animal care safety procedures and our zero tolerance policy were put in place to ensure this did not happen, not now and not in the future. Harden can apply to be reinstated. We don't think that Chad deliberately meant to do this. We have determined that there was driver error involved in his decision making. In 2016, the Calgary Stampede changed their priorities in their selection process for the drivers. It used to be based solely on competitive rankings, but now their safety records are taken into account. There's a lot of money at stake here at the Stampede, and we want them to be focused on safety over winnings. And, and I think that's important um, to note, but also very, very important to note that they are good drivers, and that's why they're here. But still, animal advocates say this third horse fatality underscores their calls to put an end to the rodeo events. My impression of uh, what people with the Stampede say when they say that they love their animals is that it's fairly difficult to use that word, to use the word love, when you're risking that individual's body and life for profit or entertainment or for prizes. Some wild video out of North Carolina caught on surveillance cameras the moment a KFC restaurant exploded. Surveillance footage shows the moment of the blast. Aerial footage reveals piles of debris scattered across the parking lot. Thankfully, no one was inside when it happened. Officials say the natural gas line was operating properly at the time. The cause is still under investigation. In Health Matters tonight, according to new research, cutting only about 300 calories per day can keep your heart healthy. The study from Duke University tracked more than 200 adults who were at a normal weight or carrying just a few extra pounds. Those who ate 300 fewer calories a day for two years lost weight and improved their cholesterol, blood pressure and blood sugar levels. For reference, 300 calories is about one slice of pizza a medium avocado, or three Reese's peanut butter cups. The game of cricket isn't exactly mainstream in Vancouver, but it is the world's second most popular sport behind soccer. For a group of researchers at UBC, that's a huge opportunity. They are redesigning the traditional cricket bat. Linda Aylesworth explains why and how it could get more people into the game. When it comes to popularity, cricket is second only to soccer in the world. Over two billion people are following cricket. More than one billion people in India, they are, they're loving this game in Bangladesh, Pakistan, like England, people in England, Australia, New Zealand. Don't like this, just okay. very... Ready? Sadek yeah. Mazlumi has dedicated the last two years of his life to the sport. You'd think he'd be getting pretty adept at it by now. Yeah, yeah actually, I'm not a cricket player. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently neither am I. You're both terrible at this yeah. game. <laughs> but here at UBC, he's proven that you don't have to be good at cricket to make the game better. The basic incentive about this project is to design a bat who can, who can hit the ball further outside of the boundaries. And to make it less expensive. High-quality cricket bats are made from pricey English willow and can cost thousands of dollars. What they've got going for them is their ability to absorb vibrations. 
Because there would be no vibration, there would be no loss of energy. So more energy would be transferred back to the ball. Bats made from cheaper wood varieties don't perform as well. So Sadeg, who's a wood science researcher, got to work designing and creating the optimal bat. We use an evolutionary technique, genetic algorithm optimization, which works based on, again, evolution. Yeah, that's what he did. The result, a bat made of inferior wood that is in theory at least every bit as good as a luxury model. And best of all... The price for this one is, would be like 10% of this one. You have to pay more than 300 for this one, but maybe for this one you might pay 30 or $40. And that could level the playing field. Some people, they want to play cricket, but they cannot afford to buy a good bat. So if they can buy a good cheap bat, there would be more people into the game. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. And how about this extraordinary video showing a giant manta ray seeking help from divers? We'll tell you why right after Yvonne's forecast. All right, heading into the weekend, it's Friday. Let's see what's up, and let's hope it's <laughs> at least including some sunshine. Looks nice out there right now. Yeah, similar to what we were hopefully, hopefully seeing later on in the day. Right now it looks beautiful overlooking the North Shore Mountains. We will still see some cloud cover creeping in once again, and I'll outline more of what that means for both your Saturday and Sunday. Temperatures are sitting at 22. That's the high for today. A light southwesterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. A quick update on Tropical Storm Barry. It's a very slow-moving storm, just moving at 6 kilometers per hour. The winds right now sitting at 100 kilometers, and it's expected to make land fall on Saturday morning and continuing to push its way inland on Sunday. Now, the concern and the big threat will be the heavy rainfall. We're also looking at storm surge. The potential's there to see anywhere between 250 to up to 500 millimeters of rainfall. So we'll be continuing to watch that over the next few days, especially leading in towards tomorrow. Now, back here at home, we are seeing a bit of instability across the central interior, the northeastern corners, a risk of a thunderstorm. They'll die off as we predict, or they'll taper off, rather, as we get in towards the evening hours and across the south coast we do have more cloud cover overnight that'll be for a saturday morning a very slight chance we could get brushed by an isolated shower or some drizzle and then it'll clear out across the south coast for the afternoon in the interior and along coastal sections tomorrow, we are looking at a chance for some shower activity and even the risk of thunderstorms. Upper level charts showing us that we don't we have a very weak ridge that is in place over the weekend, but we are going to see some sunny breaks. So along the coast tomorrow, 18 inland, it's a risk of thunderstorms. The southern half, the tops in Okanagan will remain dry. Along the south coast, cloud cover for the morning hours. By the afternoon with the sunshine, it's going to heat up areas away from the water, feeling closer to 28 degrees. And tonight's weather window beautiful shot that was taken in Manning Park. Um, Carmen took this shot of their dog, Skagit. Chris? Skagit, what a beautiful dog. Thank you. Dog. There we go. Yeah. I was trying to pronounce it. You got it. <laughs> Thank you. you. Got it. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, back to that amazing video of a giant manta ray in obvious trouble. It happened in Australia. Jake Wilton, an underwater photographer who guides tourists around Ningaloo Reef, which is a World Heritage Site, spotted the popular ray, nicknamed Freckles, in distress. Turns out it had fish hooks stuck into its skin under its eye. The ray repeatedly approached Wilton and other divers in a desperate bid for help. And after several attempts, Wilton was able to remove all of the hooks. Fellow divers believe the manta must have known that Wilton was trying to help because it stayed put until every hook had been removed. Isn't that amazing? Great story. Freckles. It is. Freckles, the manta ray. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Drake has visited the BC Lions <laughs> at hey, any point recently. Drake's team won. 
That's true. Took a while. That's true. It's not the Drake curse. We can't blame that, yeah, right? I can't blame. Mm-mm. There's no such thing as curses. That's right. All right, here's Squire with a look at sports and a bad smell. That was, yeah, that was, <laughs> listen, I wore a tie yesterday on this show I should actually apologize for. My tie wasn't as bad as that football game. <laughs> the uh, BC Lions offseason makeover isn't looking so good. Judging by the large number of empty seats at BC Place Stadium, people cannot even bear to look at them right now. Earlier this year, the Lions were losing games late in the fourth quarter after having the lead. Last night, the opposite. They were out of it before the fourth quarter began. And since the only game they have won this year was by one point on a missed field goal against an awful Toronto team, everyone is starting to get concerned. Riley started quickly, but has been shut down. That on the trip is intercepted. It's It's official. The Lions stink like a garbage strike in the middle of a hot summer. There is no escaping the stench. And Thursday's 33-6 beatdown by the Eskimos especially reeked, coming at home against an opponent that beat them up just two weeks earlier. It's gut check time. We went out there and we got embarrassed. And uh, it's time to man up and fight back. And we didn't do that tonight. So we got to do some soul-searching. The frustrating thing for the Lions is they feel they have the talent, but it doesn't matter much when that talent makes mistakes. And it's not just one guy. Everyone is taking their turn messing up, either missing tackles, taking bad penalties, or just not being ready to play. I know that we're capable of doing what we need to do because I've seen it, Um, you know, but you can't just, can't do it a couple of times a game. You got to do it every single snap. Mike Riley's been sacked 12 times by the Eskimos in just two games. Considering the Lions went out and spent big money on their O-line to protect Riley, it's a major concern. Too many lost one-on-one battles up front has meant Riley's been hitting the deck at an alarming rate. You can't look at the big picture at the whole game. you got to just your assignment each play. If you win your assignment every play, you'll be okay. But uh, we had too many people losing their assignments. If we clean up those things, then we're where we want to be. But, you know, if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk at this moment. And so understand that. So we understand that. And we're not going to keep wishing. we got to execute. And we got to step up and play. The Lions have to do something about it. Either improve from within or bring in new players. We're not going to stay pat. If we got to, you know, make an adjustment or a change here and there, we'll definitely do that. So we're exploring all the options right now just to find the formula that plays together and stays together and rides together. we got to figure it out sooner rather than later. I don't care about it being a long season. I don't care about it being 18 weeks and only being week five. we got to get this shit right tomorrow. Guys got to figure out, they got to dig deep and, and find out how to give it uh, everything and more that's necessary to turn this club into a championship team because right now uh, we're pretty far from that. If if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. I like that one. <laughs> Use it. Uh, the Whitecaps are home tomorrow against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, both are out of a playoff spot right now. Kansas City because they have a bad defense and the Whitecaps because they have a bad offense, which means these two teams are really looking forward to playing each other. And what's worse for Vancouver, it's uh, best scorer Freddie Montero can't play because of a one-game suspension. Speaking of scoring, the MLS transfer window is open right now, so teams are free to sign new players, and the Whitecaps would like a new scorer. It's a part of the field that we want to get better for sure. Uh, it's, it's been a challenge uh, to, 
to find the right fit, to find the right player at the right price. All of that has been uh, a challenge right now, and um, it's still a process. It's still something uh, we're working on, and um, at the moment, there's no news. Clash of the Titans. Federer, Nadal, semifinal action. Wimbledon winner gets Novak Djokovic in the final. Here we go. Spectacular tennis between these two. Look how hard they hit that ball. Federer won the first set, 7-6. Nadal wins the second set, 6-1. Here's a reason why. Yep. They're both going with the Karate Kid headbands. Uh, then Federer wins the third set, 6-3. It's not a good volley, but he got away. Oh, Backhand. Backhand. Nadal's out of position. To the fourth set, Nadal not as aggressive as he usually is. Cost him there, Federer was the one at the net, and now, match point, number five. Roger and Novak for all the marbles. Uh, John Deere Classic, this is the second shot in a par five for Lucas Glover. This has two names, one double eagle or two albatross. Whatever the case, this has only happened seven times this year in the PGA, a two on a par five. Johnny Vegas leads at 13 under, Merritt's Roger Sloan is nine under, Surrey's Adam Svensson is seven under, Abbotsford's Nick Taylor is five. No, make that six under. There you go. Coming up on ET Canada, new music from Ed Sheeran and backstage with Metric. Plus Timon and Pumbaa, otherwise known as Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen, preview The Lion King. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. Thank you, Sangeeta. Okay, this is fun. This is always one of my favorite things. Which part is that? The, Just the, the whole thing? Well, the, the soapbox oh, derby. Oh, the soapbox derby. But they, they've had one, they had one in Vancouver years ago. We yep. had an entry in that. Really? Yeah, it looked like a news desk going down the street. <laughs> Luca, one of our editors, was the driver. Oh, I remember, remember that, that now, okay. yeah. So they do this uh, in London, too. Uh, Red Bull, you got to build the soapbox, and it has to have a theme, and it can't just be like a regular soapbox. Mm-hmm. So here we go. And they do have obstacles on this course. It's not an easy course to drive down, and uh, so some have trouble with it. Example. This looks good here. But then the guy in the back gets tossed. Ooh. Good thing he has a helmet on. He's okay. Or she's okay. Through the, what is that, mulch? That didn't go so well. And that's a very impressive looking machine. Unfortunately, Ooh. he's going out of it face first. I like this though. The banana driving the pineapple. It's like a drink. And the disco ball that just breaks apart. And they did okay until they crashed in the hay. And hopefully they don't have hay fever, because that could be nasty. This is brilliantly wow. built. Yeah, they could withstand it. Oh, the airbags are already deployed. <laughs> They're okay. And uh, what else we got here? Oh, that's from Wacky Racers, I think. Is that Motley in the back? That's an old cartoon. And I'm not sure what this guy's doing. Well, obviously those legs are fake. But, uh, <laughs> are they? Are they? Yeah. So in Seattle, I know we showed this earlier. I love this. The T-Rex race at Emerald Downs, just outside of Seattle. Here they go. So good. Yeah. And, but and you notice, like, the head just flop around like the T-Rexes have some sort of vertebrae issue. But anyway, there's your winner. 
They're Oof. slowing them down the heads, actually. <laughs> They're completely undistinguishable yeah. from each other. But anyway, there you go. Okay, speaking of horse races, uh-huh. I went back in the archives for this. Uh, the first thing I'm going to show you is from 2010 in New Jersey. Two horses that have very similar names. You'll, you'll get it. And then after that, another old school commercial from uh, DirecTV. Here we go. Side, Little Miss Macho is fourth. They're into the stretch. Lady Mutata, my wife knows everything. Center of the track, the wife doesn't know. Into the final furlong, my wife knows everything. The wife doesn't know. They're one, two. Of course they are. My wife knows everything in front. To the outside, the wife doesn't know. My wife knows everything. The wife doesn't know. My wife knows everything. More than the wife doesn't know. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch and upgrade to direct TV. Okay. Happens just like that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right. Uh, we, these are a couple of old ones I love, too. Two from uh, Jack Link's Jerky. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Jack Link's Jerky presents Hangry Moments. Sorry, folks. Still waiting on that mechanic. Jack Link's Jerky, the protein-packed way to feed your wild side. Jack Link's Jerky presents Hangry Moments. So that's the vendor request form. We got a few changes from last year. It's the second time this week, Dan. I'm doing the best I can, Pete. Jack Link's Jerky, the protein-packed way to feed your wild side. <laughs> That's only slightly disturbing. Yeah, the last part is bad. necessary. Yeah. <laughs> no last necessary. part. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. love with his stomach. You know? That's yeah. right. This is a very special yeah. relationship. Last word on weather before we go for the We weekend. are going to see more cloud cover tomorrow morning and then breaks by the afternoon. Uh, pleasant temperatures getting up to 22 areas away for the water. Hot one for tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks, Yvonne. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Have a great night.